0: Well,
1: porn-ready. Porn-ready? What do you mean by porn-ready?
2: Apparently we love to take our intro series. Citizens of the Verse, I'm not going to edit this out. It's October 26th, 2951. And welcome to another episode of ReadCast. We're a weekly Star Citizen podcast sponsored by the Reed organization. I'm your host, way Too geeky and I'm joined by my co-hosts, who you probably can hear already. Um, people refuse to say his name in a mirror three times. It's Mr. Chekhov, Chekhov, Chekhov. Say hello, Chekhov.
0: Hello, everybody. I think Badger's going to be very happy with our intro.
2: He won't badger us, so to speak. Um... And of course, yeah, our trio yeah. wouldn't be complete without the man in the Shatner mask wielding a knife. It's Mr. Uh, Sigurd uh, Olson.
1: That's right, and my porn name would be Rochester Marianne. What is it again? Rochester Marianne. No, but what's the? Mm. I forgot the rules. It's for, it's the uh, your first pet and your street name.
2: Mm. Lumos uh, Jefferson. Wow! actually technically it would be Princess Jefferson (laughs) that's me little old Princess Jefferson (laughs) wait wait your first
0: name and what street name that you were born on your first pet's name
2: and
1: the street you live on or you have lived on oh
0: okay so so that would be Rex Palisade oh man that really is a good one yeah that's (laughs) a good one
2: (laughs) I guess I could also do Princess Highland yeah, I kind of like Princess nice. Jefferson better. It sounds yeah, sassy. I, I think
1: it does. I'm I like Princess that.
2: Jefferson. Or yeah, I used one. to live on a street called Decatur. It'd be Princess uh, Decatur. I, I also have Oscar Skyview.
0: <laughs> I got some interesting about that. I like that. You know, we used to play this game with the kids. When we drive in the car, we would uh, you know, do the alphabet. You know, from A to Z, we have to recognize the yeah. billboards okay. and find the, you know, the words I spy, uh, yeah, yeah, something. And like now, that. if
2: you could do it all over again, you'd do the the porn name instead.
0: Oh, of course. But the <laughs> uh, but you know, speaking of Shatner, did you guys know that uh, Shatner when at ninety? He went into space. Yes, yes. And at ninety, he
2: looks like he's freaking sixty. I can't believe it. He's yeah, he's a pretty classic it's, guy. It's amazing when you're filthy rich, you know.
0: Yeah, I guess all the, all those
2: Star Trek royalties, huh? Yeah. All that pain and sadness goes away, and all you have is just your wealth and your self esteem. Well, they didn't make much money <laughs> in the in the
1: original series, just like the guys from Batman, they were oh. basically broke. They didn't get it until the movies. Yeah, they were not. It was it's not true. part of their contract. Uh, Mash, I think, was the group that broke that first.
2: Yeah, um, a hundred pursuit. Yeah. Well, um, just to, considering we were just badgered by Badger, I thought it would be good to let people know why we didn't have an episode last week. Um, we, w- we did record an episode. Uh-huh. It's in fragments, because unfortunately, um, Mr. Chekhov thought the perfect <laughs> time to update his drivers would be while we're recording an episode. Yes. So Sorry. We did him out, and now... Um, but I,
0: I, I came back in thinking i'll be all okay but apparently not.
2: It, i mean it's fine well we'll ma- we'll be able to match it up um it's just going to take longer than expected so it shall be a lost episode that will appear whenever yeah. we manage not to so, re- be able to record
0: and it will be available for for those of you who would like to donate on patreon small you can you can, oh, also, goodness, listen. Gracious you can also listen to that special <laughs> lost episode it was probably the best one ever
2: we do not have a Patreon ab- yeah, uh, account
0: we don't have as a Patreon of right now, account. folks. It's okay. If you want, just Venmo me the money.
2: <laughs> my Venmo you- is right. Princess Jefferson. Yeah, I'll,
0: I'll just give you my
1: Bitcoin wallet number. And it, and it did happen the same way it always happens. It was Geeky was talking, and then he said, what do you think? You know, to me, and I responded back with something highly intelligent and entirely in too, too in depth and take, took too much time. And then he asked Chekhov, and then he said, I wonder if he's asleep. And then he went, oh, It was five crap. minutes
2: before we realized he yeah. were gone. Yeah. Chekhov.
1: Oh, crap moment. Yeah. Hang on a second. I think he's checking. He dropped off. <laughs> <laughs> And there was a little lost-in-face tweet at the bottom of the screen saying, are you guys still there? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Exactly.
2: Well, it'll be there someday. We'll label it as such. It is a pretty good one. It's a pretty good one. Um, (coughs) So, uh, you know, given we're at the end of October, and I just can't even believe it, uh, do you know what that means, folks? That means it's the...
0: No, it's the day of Mara.
2: Yeah, check off. uh. tomorrow, October twenty seventh. It's the day uh, of Mara. So oh, wow, yeah, I can't believe it, right? Um, break out my mask. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If I can get in the game, uh, make your sh- make sure you got those green skins on if you haven't on your ships, and throw on your scary costumes. Um, tell some ghost stories, uh, and uh, see what happens. Does anyone have a good ghost story? Out of curiosity, and we didn't do this last year, did we? I can't remember now. <laughs>
0: no, we didn't. I have a perfect ghost ship, though, Harold.
2: Oh, why do you say that? Why is it perfect? Oh, you're all by it's yourself. A,
0: no, because it's every, it's a ship that everybody loves to hate.
2: Yeah, they I don't, don't know. hate it when they're riding the the rocket out of. Uh, yeah, Crusade or a
0: or? horse, and that's true. <laughs>
2: What about you, Seagard? Any good ghost stories? Eh, not really.
1: Uh, no? None that I could talk about. None that I could talk about without embarrassing some people. Oh, <laughs> oh
2: that would be rough. Yeah. I had plenty, but one of the weirdest ones. Unfortunately, I have plenty. But I used to work at this bar in Connecticut. What was the name of it? Uh, I think I don't think you lived in Connecticut at the time.
1: But I've been drunk at a lot of bars, and a lot of bars are
2: pretty old. But go ahead. Oh, it's closed though. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was in Bramford, uh, Connecticut. Uh, and it's it, it's always just been like every restaurant that goes there just doesn't make it. It just closes and closes. And I think our restaurant was like one of the longer ones, but you would be um, standing behind the bar and there was a spot where you'd walk by the corner. And all of a sudden, no one's near you as 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 uh, high fidelity as possible right in your ear. John. Or whatever your name was, right? And like this, the hair on the back of your skin, on the back of your neck would sk- stand up. And then like you'd see reflections in the wine glasses or you'd see like wine glasses would fall out of nowhere. And then when we would be closing up at night we had this rule. No one could ever be in the restaurant by themselves because everybody had these experiences. Um, When it was getting close to closing time, there was a empty apartment upstairs that was locked pretty much. You had to go through the office of the restaurant to get through to there. Um, And only a few people had the key because that's where the safe was. All of a sudden you'd hear boom, 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 boom. Someone like slamming on the, on the ground and everything. And then every time you went into the basement to get more wine or or anything else, you would hear someone walking behind you. You'd hear someone like on the steps. You'd see like dust moving and stuff. It was insane. But that was the scariest. That would have been
1: like, uh, I would have been there like an hour and I would have left.
2: Yeah. (laughs) It it was pretty, um, of all the ghost stories I have, that's the most malicious one. Uh, that was the most angry or sort of like outspoken one. One was sort of more caregivery, and then another one was just kind of grumpy. So weird. Anyway, um, so what have you guys been up to this past week in the verse, Seagard?
1: A little bit of playing. Uh, did a little bit of stuff in the, uh, in the PTU, unusual for me, and then I uh, did some I went up and I was looking for a cave in a specific place. Uh, I didn't know. I don't know exactly where it is. I just kind of know the planet. Mm-hmm. I was looking for a cave the other day and found a pretty cool place on the planet I was at. And uh, Chekhov came up there and kind of joined me, and it's just a really cool area, very cool area. So uh, I won't lay out the planet, but uh, so it did that a little bit. That was, but uh, that was in the in the PU. So a little mm-hmm. bit of both, uh, nothing real exciting. Uh, yeah, things are going pretty good. It, it's I like the PTU, and I like the PU. I mean, I, I really do.
0: Cool.
2: What about you, Chekhov?
0: Yeah, nothing really to talk about, just uh, kind of passing time and uh, experimenting with different things, getting ready for 3.15, just checking out some uh, cargo routes, Uh, you know. uh, I agree with Sigurd, we're a really cool area among us of Colorado quite a bit. That particular spot on New Babbage, well, next to New Babbage, I guess.
2: Cool, that's great. (laughs) It'll be useful as we uh, endeavor to try and make back all the money that we are about to lose. um i have not been playing because my friends came into the city last week and i had a new person start on my team so i had to take them out one of the nights so it was a busy busy week and weekend i'm hoping to play a lot more this week although we'll see um because as i stand right now the same issue that i keep having happen is happening where I get this launcher error where it's the installer. So I install, I have the PTU. I go to install the update. It crashes. And then when I try to install again, it goes installer error, um, check logs for installation error or whatever. And I can't figure out how to fix it. And it's been happening to me ever since the PTU. Um, I can't find a ton of information about how to solve it. And the resolution that I have every time is to literally redownload the game. And then that fixes it. And then every time there's a new PTU patch, it reverts. You know, it has that error again. So it's driving me kind of crazy. Yeah, that's... So we'll have uh, to figure out what that is.
0: That's very annoying.
2: Extremely. So, here's hoping that that doesn't last forever, but it doesn't seem to be a huge common issue right now. It, I can only find a few, even times, where someone reported it on Spectrum. So, we shall see. Um, I might just, like, do a complete clean, fresh download. Like, delete all files and everything. See if that... Helps somehow. Uh, so, in terms of the news, however, in the verse, um, last week we didn't have a ISC because we are still on hiatus. But we did have a Star Citizen live. It was with. It was supposed to originally be with uh, Todd Pappy and Richard Tyrer, but I guess Todd Pappy wasn't uh, able to make it. So it was with Richard Tyrer discussing three fifteen. Um. He mentioned one about the medical issue that we were dealing with or the med gun issue that we've been dealing with um, that in the future, you'll be protected by guards and or other authorities in the landing zones. Um, so it should in theory, not be an issue in the future. Although um, the issue that they did roll out ended up being um, that you can't use them on another person in green zones for right now, which is great. That essentially your suggestion, Seagard. Um, down the road, changing a gun on your ship won't just instant, you know, appear a different gun on your ship. There will be an actual crew of NPCs that physically change the weapon. Uh, In 3.15, uh, if you lose a subscriber item because you died, you will lose it. Um, And the only way to get it back is when there's a new patch, or if you reset your character. Long term, they want to be able to have you uh, track and be able to retrieve it? They might even have a scenario where, um, you know, if a thief took it and then they get captured, then it'll get returned to you somehow. Um, they're currently working on adding a location marker for your dead body so you can recover items when you die. Uh, Richard Tyrer also mentioned the 30k recovery that's in 315. Um, He mentioned that currently they don't have any plans to add medical in prison. Uh, The inventory system that we have right now is intermediate. So the next stage will migrate the system that we have over to tier one with armored cupboards, gun racks, and lockers being physicalized. And then obviously we'll start rolling those out to other things. Uh, down-the-road folded items will take up much less space than things like chest plates. Um, We don't currently have anything like super legendary items in the game right now, but, um, you know, that's not necessarily going to be the same throughout. um, You know, who knows what they'll do down the road. So that was Star Citizen Live. Anything come out of it that was super interesting for you, Seaguard? Well, it's...
1: I mean, it was okay uh i was interested uh that he was going to be basically only going and working on squadron forty two yeah um, well but he was gonna be he actually he said he had other another pillar still yeah but but he did say he was gonna be away and not able to get on as much and then he also hinted at its being ready in twenty two Yeah. I mean, the roadmap hints that, too. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So uh, I thought that was kind of cool. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Um, So that was kind of interesting to me.
2: I think that makes sense, though, if you think about how they're making some of the PU features be downstream from Squadron. Right and he having so much responsibility for pretty core mechanics in the game. It probably makes sense that he's focused on squadron and how those I'm guessing how those integrate within the, the first player experience too. Gotcha. Um, Chekhov, you mentioned you hadn't seen this episode. Um, no, I haven't, but I do have a question for you. What are you sure, sure about 30, 30 K recovery? Oh, so I think we talked about this last week as well, and it is in the PTU now, but now if you have a ship and you're flying it and it's full of cargo or you have some of your inventory items on it, if you go through a 30K, as long as it's server-side, then when you come back into the game, the terminal at the nearest spaceport where you... I think any spaceport, but I think the nearest spaceport, whatever... You can click on there. Should be a button that allows you to recover your ship instead of reclaiming it. Oh, and that button will deliver your ship as it was in the game when you crashed. Oh, okay. Well, that's awesome. So, so that's you confirmed. will have your full cargo, and it's and it's already working in in the PTU. People have been uh, gushing about how this is, you know, making hauling viable S- again.
0: Yeah, that's great, the hauling, absolutely. Yeah. Now, the, the only thing, I guess, what happens is when you die due to no fault of yours, you get to be recovered also. When you die? Well, you know, now that we have the whole medical play, if you if you die, I guess you have to end up what, in a hospital, right?
2: Mm. So then you have to go get your ship. You have to find your ship. It'll yeah. process just like it does now. It does. If your ship explodes, then that's, you know, then your ship exploded and you've lost those things. Um, mm-hmm. Although they will become a box, I my understanding is. <clears throat> yeah, so great stuff. Um, yep. This week, apparently, we still don't have an ISC, even though this is, um, what, it's been three weeks. Um, but I'm guessing it'll come back next week. Um, but this Friday, uh, principal artist, Josh van Zullen returns for a live, um, extended look at his earliest work, bringing the upcoming outlaw space stations of Pyro to 3d in game in engine life. Uh, so I guess he had a ton of content that they, uh, had to cut from the CitizenCom video. Um, so, you know, you can see everything uh, that was missed live with commentary from Jared this Friday. Um, so that could be really interesting, actually, because I thought the Outlaw Space Station content from CitizenCom was pretty great. Um, now, this uh, also in the past week, uh, 315 went to wave 2 um, it sounds like you notice how I say it sounds because I can't play it um, without reinstalling the game mm-hmm. uh, it sounds pretty stable actually um, have, have you played it Seaguard since the 30k um, recovery has been in the game
1: I don't know that I had I think once uh, that happened but, over the weekend yeah over overall I think I played it on Sunday for a while yeah um, mm-hmm overall I for some reason I have had great luck once I get in it's very stable it's very fast and everything else I have had a couple times when I couldn't get in mm. um, for some one reason or another right uh, but when I'm in it's fantastic I that's mean, great I, I really really like what what it's how it feels how stable it is how fast it is level of detail
2: Um, i will say when i went in um last week compared to the when it first went um uh wave one the uh inventory system was a lot snappier than it it was when i first first played yeah um and it seems like from videos that i've seen it's gotten even more snappy I have a feeling that we'll be seeing that patch if not this week live, then probably next. Yeah. Um, Excellent. Excellent. Uh, So, I guess I'm curious to know, does anybody have any tips or tricks um, for our listeners? Let's see.
0: Well, I have one tip. If you, if you buy Laronite on Ariel at BazDak, do not sell it on Microtech because you make absolutely nothing. That's it was, like Seagard
2: profits? No, it's worse. I'll pay them to pick their stuff up. <laughs> yes, yeah, zero, zero. Same here.
0: I sold before. Remember back in the day, we specifically went to Microtech because it was yielding more than L'Oreal. Now, yeah, ever
2: it's, so slightly.
0: Yeah, but now it's just uh, it's the same. In other words, I sold it for exactly what I bought it for.
2: Wow. So, and it used to be it was so easy to drop it off, too, because yeah. you didn't have to land at the spaceport and do that whole rigmarole. Yep, yeah, exactly. Not anymore. Well, so, I really can't wait for the dynamic economy. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing.
1: So I have a tip. Um, so this one is, um, uh, actually I can give you two. So, um, so the, the one I've been using, I, I have used this in the past, um, but I use it quite a bit now. I'm trying to improve the quality of my landings, um, mm-hmm. as opposed to being six feet below the ground. So actually I usually land pretty well when I line up and I get lined up over the pad and then I slowly, strafe down until I touch down, and it's it's usually pretty smooth. But lately, I've been going back to an older way I was using. Instead of strafing down, I still line up the same way. But the only difference is, is I don't strafe down. I actually reduce the thrust. And oh, and let sh- it slowly... Um... Right. And just before you hit the ground, you just kind of turn it back up to give yourself a little boost, and it's really smooth. You can ask Chekhov. He, I landed the other day. He didn't even know we had landed. So... It's really smooth, uh, and if you if you got something that can detonate very easily, it probably is the difference between not blowing up and blowing up, right? Hmm. Uh, so, it's something to consider. Interesting. Uh, the, the second one I was going to say is, um, and I hope I didn't mention this last week. If you have your joint if you have a hotas, well, if
2: you did, it's lost for a little bit anyway. Yeah,
1: yeah. If you have a hotas and a stick or two sticks. Um, and you're trying to coordinate your how your buttons are going to function, um, and I've done this for a couple of games, and I've really kind of refined it pretty well now, is I put anything that is offensive, like weapons and missiles and uh, radar and things like that, uh, targeting is on my right stick. It's on my stick. I put it somewhere on there. Anything that's defensive and thrust-related, I put on my left stick or my throttle. So I don't have my chaff and flares on the jo- on the stick where I'm trying to kill a guy with it. I have it on the stick where I'm trying to stay alive, right? I'm kind of chucking these things out with my left hand, um, yeah. right? The other thing is if you have a hat, and a lot of people know you can use the hats as buttons, right? You can look, use them to look around. But there's usually a way to turn them into eight-way or four-way switches. So Mm -hmm. I have – I actually have many, many verbal sticks in my area now that I've purchased. But I actually still use an old X-52 because of the hat layout on it. And I have two hats. One of those hats I use for targeting. And and I know we talked a little bit about that. You know, I tend to use mine as – Anything in front of me, I push forward on the hat, and it it targets the guy in front of me. If I push it to the right, it targets the nearest hostile. If I put it to the left, it puts me into the nearest attacker. And if I push it back, then it it unlocks from whatever it's targeted on. Mm -hmm. Um, The second hat I have, I can use for a couple things. One of which is, and you have a couple choices. I've tried both, and it works real well. One is for doing sub-targets you know, sub modules on a ship. So you could say now I've targeted the ship. Now I want to look at the sub modules and I can use the same thought process on that hat. Mm -hmm. The other alternative is to use it for, for your, your power, your missiles and your basically your priorities, right? You can take the engineering triangle and you can basically use up for, you know, let's say um, thrust right for weapons down for shields and then left to reset it and it's all there at your fingertips right it works real mm-hmm. well um i also use a third hat a third hat i have i use also for thrusting left right up and down uh, not forward and backwards left right up and down so it gives me quite a bit of ability okay so, cool some thoughts on joysticks
2: well, that's great. I, I think people will appreciate that insight for sure. Um, so that brings us to our next segment, everybody's favorite, and the one that I had to fix the, the audio for. Uh, it's Time for Science. So, for those who are new to our our little show, our little share, mm-hmm. um, for science is all about uh, when we did something in the name of science, whether it was testing out the game or testing out something in the game, um, you know, or finding a phenomenon, whatever the case may be. Um, we had a couple submissions, or at least I think it was one submission for science this past week. Um, so, our first submission comes to us from stewie13 who's uh i don't know if he's a new listener but he's newly engaged listener so welcome stewie13 um both to read and read cast so he said for science Hmm. if you're planning on using steam link for remote play using your joystick and throttle hopefully i can save you from the same pain i had for whatever reason, Steam Link works for controllers, but they didn't include support to devices like joysticks or throttles. So it doesn't see the hardware at all correctly. However, mm. they sell software called Virtual Here, which solves it using some server client solution. Sort of wish they'd just build okay. it into Steam, but thankfully you can try it for free, and the and good thing too. I spent a good hour troubleshooting it only to have the dumbest solution fix it. Basically, my throttle would work no problem, but for whatever reason, the joystick wouldn't. Or rather, it would connect, but then fail due to a driver slash device error. Solution, disable and re-enable the device in Device Manager, and suddenly it recognizes it. Smart. Yeah. Did you try to turn it off and on again? (laughs) Yes. Did you try it in this particular way? Anyways, that's my for science. Hopefully it helps someone out there listening who may have had this exact issue before, or if anyone was thinking of doing such a thing in the future, now you know. That's a good one. That's good. Interesting.
0: Yeah. I didn't also, know that anybody used Steam Link for this game. Hmm. Oh yeah. Never heard of it, but I don't even know what Steam Link is. So I'm I'm hovering. Here's the one. I don't know if it's for science. I'm hovering above Everest and I'm being scanned three times in a row without even moving. So I've been here for like ten minutes. And it's they
2: because keep you're it Russian and they don't like Russians. Must be
0: No, because I'm flying a herald. <laughs> they don't know they don't know what it is. It's a
2: UFO. No <laughs> Mark, the Uh. Herald, Chekhov sings. Um, And then uh, Stewie also said, maybe add to mine for science. If you only intend to use a single computer for this purpose, then virtual here might still be a good option. Myself, however, I have a few computers I would like to use for this purpose. And the licensing, unfortunately, is directly tied to the hardware, so each machine... Would need to be licensed with drastically drives up the cost for the solution for me. So despite my efforts today to get this to work, I've hit a dead end for now. I'm hoping to find an alternative and will post it here if I find something better. Um, And then Zake commented, I look forward to your findings as I've been researching for a similar issue. Gotcha. So that's all the submissions for science. Uh, Anyone do anything interesting for science? Seagar, do you do anything? I was just working on the, I've been working on trying to get face
1: face over IP to work a little bit better. So um, Mm -hmm. I've always had a decent camera. um, And now I've got a nice, uh, they call the Elgato face cam, which is very nice. It's HD 1080 by. Anyway, it's 1920 by 1080 um, and it's 60 frames per second um, mm-hmm. so in theory it's gonna work great it, it's um, and I've had it working before I didn't have quite that luck uh, but what I'm finding is that face cam is okay but it's v- you're very dependent on how good the lighting is yeah and a lot of times I find that I'm just staring at the two bright lights in front of me trying to get my features recognized. And that's even more complicated, or you know, that's complicated even more by the fact that I have glasses on. Um, yes. Yeah. So it is a, it's it is definitely fun, but sometimes you look like you're in an epileptic fit, or you have just sucked on an onion or something, or a yeah. lemon, right? Um, yeah,
2: that's like it, a, a sexy biscuit. It was yeah. a relatively new. Uh, uh, there, there are some people who do it real well, but they've
1: they um. The tricks that I have, I do know of right now is that one is when you calibrate your view, you really have to put your face in, in neutral. I mean, you know, position everything the right way. Don't smile, Mm -hmm. just stare forward like you would any other minute of your, of your day, because that's how it's going to reference you from then on. That's the baseline. And anytime you move away from that look, that's when it's going to track the movement. Um mm-hmm. the other thing is is that um right now the i think that their their level of production is at 640 by 480. I heard that the other day in a conversation um actually on one of the uh videos. And even though you might have a higher resolution that helps you get some advantage but not as much as you would think. You, you know 1080 is not necessarily better than 640 by 480 especially if you're giving up frame rate.
2: Mm-hmm. You
1: really want to be somewhere around 30 frames, 640 by 480. That's a great starting point. And anything higher at the same or higher frame rate is even better. Um, so those are things I've been learning. I'm, I'm very interested in, we talked about this uh, last week, but you know we would like one day to do a special event in-game where we host it as a video and an audio podcast uh,
2: in game. Yeah. <clears throat> so I just want I want that fidelity to also just be there, so that it isn't always just a silly thing that people do. Like I want it to be something people feel like doing in game, right? Yeah, I think it'll make a huge difference in events and things, and coordinating communication. Um between teams, if if that stuff is all much more smooth. I guess you don't need the face over IP, well, the, I, even the audio. you know. I, I really like the
1: audio. I like the audio and the face over IP, even in their current form. Um, one thing that was, uh, it's a four science, and I think it was from Snorkel, actually. Um, hmm. He was trying on the new uh, hot weather suit that's replacing. Oh, the new Caldera. Caldera suit and he actually when he looks in first person he actually sees the inside of the helmet separate from his face he actually sees the outline of the of the cheek parts and he can see like the wiring and stuff on the bottom uh where the microphones would be and all that so Mm -hmm. he moves his head within the helmet
2: oh interesting
1: yeah which is the first time i think we've seen that in ages
2: yeah I think that's probably very much due to the nature of that new suit. Yeah. And I'm sure we'll see more of that. I would definitely like to see. I think that's going to change the way our HUDs look and things like that in our helmets. Yeah. I mean, the whole unified, the view looks the same. You know, it doesn't really go with the choice versus, you know, the risk versus reward of having something that looks really cool but isn't visible. Right. Um, And I'm sure that'll change at some point. They probably have a lot to unify there. Um, Very cool. So that brings us to um, your question of the week, Seagard. Um, So for those who don't recall, last week, Seagard had inquired. They didn't hear it last week. Oh, that's right. Well... They got, they saw it posted, uh, apparently. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which it is did. where most people react to them, anyhow. <laughs> right. Um, But uh, his question was uh, Do you think there should be space storms of various types that can challenge a crew and their ship with damage, injury, or navigation issues? So, uh, first respondee was from Scuba. And he said, definitely. I'd like to see storms so harsh that you have to resort to land-based vehicles to complete a delivery. Agreed. Techno states, would be a great addition. Space storms, sand storms, wind storms, electrical storms, etc. Would make a great addition and increase the real-world fidelity. Skyguard One said, yes, something like... um, Coronal mass ejections sounds interesting. Also, gas giants like Jupiter have radiation belts from the interaction of the magnetic fields with the moons having a radiation storm around a gas giant or on a certain side of a moon that taxes shields or makes scanners go nuts could lead to interesting gameplay. Boris Kraken states, I think they will have radioactive pulses from stars like Pyro and even a um, even and and similar electrical storms. Even say even. I don't know why I kept adding that in. Um, I like to ad lib apparently. <laughs> and then uh, damn good at it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then Jim, Jim Raymar says I like the idea of space storms being in somewhere like Pyro and creating a no quantum bubble where you navigate the asteroids, lightning, etc. This can create opportunities for PVPers, help beacons for ships that get disabled by the storm, and maybe the anomalies could generate valuable ore of some sort. Uh, Zake states, Considering there is a quantum dampener and quantum snare, I hope to see similar natural phenomena that pull you out of quantum or make for interesting gameplay in some way, or maybe even some type of radiation that would make shields then whole degrade over time. Perhaps you are forced to move more slowly or in an area of space is rich for dense plasma slash hydrogen fuel collection. Maybe certain types of space storms could be local to a system or a planet, and they are actually being caused by something artificial or natural. I can see it now. Space Storm Chaser is the new gameplay loop for science. (laughs) Uh, loon states most definitely that's all i got i don't have to go into details why it, it just makes uh why it is just cooler makes quantum and general space travel more interactive i like it seth mavros states storms are common in most planets with atmosphere so yes i'd really love to see them especially in gas giants that has to be really scary um, there's a lot of responses. <laughs> yeah how, uh, many scandal. Of
1: you, how many of these do you think so far have we had that are about deep space? Because I was also thinking deep space storms
2: um, i I like can totally rip, hear
1: you Like um, rip cargo off the side of a whole sea, you know you lose a couple cargo.
2: Containers. so a lot of them tend to be uh, a lot of them were ground and planet side. There were a number of them that that sort of were like I just want storms of all kinds. Good. Okay. Um, yeah, Jandal said the original Q and A mentions the Xeon materials will allow the Misc Reliant to handle environment hazards well. I'd like to see areas where storms, radiation, gravimetric effects, etc., will make it too dangerous for most ships to traverse, but where the Reliant can deliver some high profit margin cargo or research anom- ano- anomalies. Wow. I just thought you know, based on that, I was just imagining
1: in my mind if a science vessel had a good enough scanner, could it actually track a safe path through the
2: I would imagine so. Yeah. That would be cool. That's the other thing I was thinking too. Um Oh, and then Mavro says, Another reason to pick up a reliant send. Mm. <laughs> ah, so <laughs> uh Jim Jangle says comms officer might. Huh.
1: Whose driver just dropped?
2: No, no one's. I'm like. He's responding to something that I don't know why it's here. Did we ever ask Mm. about comms officers?
1: Oh, that was the previous week of Ah. Wumble. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, we was responding to yeah, so he was responding to the previous week's question. He said, comms officer might designate slash pin targets, direct engineering on what systems to bring online or take down a divert power where needed, relay ground team status to the captain, etc." Thank you, Jim. I wonder, um, Jim, Not we're not calling you out. I'm just curious. Did you reply to that because of the episode? <laughs> I have a feeling that's the case, Jim. He's part of our coffee crew. Ah, yes, he is. Uh, then we have Jaeger. He says, uh, "We're go- we're back to storms again now." Uh, he says, "I think there there should be just based on varying levels of light, radiation, dark matter, gravity, etc., in a particular system, should create different an- anomalies and storms." Also, just my dream version of Star Citizen here. You shouldn't magically know what effects these variables will have on your ship unless you've already experienced it or paid for info on that particular anomaly. Uh, Anomaly. I I can't say anomaly tonight. Like my personal favorite sci-fi, the Star Trek universe where something not encountered before is affecting the crew or ship or both. And they have to fit. uh, They have to try and figure it out. That would also add some science gameplay and make ships with better sensors and probes more valuable. Very cool. Captain Kieran states, um, ready? So much potential. Short answer, yes. Storms of all flavors and varieties on moons and planets and also out in space. Imagine minding your own business in your rock or your prospector on a moon mining, and then your sensors start going nuts. What? The rock is clean. Warnings. Sandstorm inbound. You need to decide when to leave and get out of dodge. Is this the load worth risking it? How aggressive is the storm? Could we be in danger? And wait. Fezdeck is back is back through the storm. Do we risk going through? Go around, leave atmo- leave atmosphere and go over? Another note. You're bounty hunting in space. Make it to an asteroid field. Target acquired. Six hmm. kilometers out. And then poof, nothing. Disappeared. Your HUD dies. Electrical storm is thrown off all of your electronics. Do you continue your pursuit? How good are you a pilot without your HUD? Do you leave? Can you leave? So many possibilities. I'd love a bit of random shenanigans thrown into the day-to-day. Imagine how badass you'd feel after you return to refuel and repair, having just destroyed a bounty whilst flying OG with no tech. I want it. I want it now. Wow. That was a good one. Some great uh, uh, theory crafting there.
0: Yeah, we should really uh, send this episode <laughs> over to Chris. You know, to, after listening to all this, he's we'll
2: definitely put it on the road <laughs> map. You know, I ex- had excuse I had, me, Monsieur Roberts. <laughs> yeah, I
1: had I had visions of the three of us on a planet in a Carrick and a storm coming in, and you're readying the ship to take off, and Chekhov would be yelling at me, "No, no, no, no you're no, going to no. have to stay. There's not enough room." <laughs> <laughs> There's only three of
0: us, dude. Yeah. There's not enough room. We
1: have to survive.
0: I, I could see like you know I just watched Dune so I could just picture the the sandstorm that goes right through the metal. Uh,
2: yeah. I watched Doom last week. Harold
0: is tiny by the way, it's not gonna fit three. So you guys have to <laughs> That's right. I mean, There's two bunks so. though. No it's, one, no, it's one. No, it's one
2: bunk. Oh, I thought it was
0: two in the back. Well, so one bunk, right. but, but you could really sleep on the toilet, too. So.
2: Yeah. It, the other part looks like, like overhead storage or something.
0: Oh, yeah. That's right. it has you know, got a great I, interior. I, I was walking around it, so you could put a size 4 gun and two size 2s, right? It's got two shields, but it has a very – I'm really curious how well would, would it do in a dog fight because it has such a tiny profile and it's fast. Well, it was hunting us in that, in
1: that uh, uh, Mercury Star Runner when Geeky and I were the gunners.
2: <laughs> hmm. Yeah, and that was fun.
1: And he was always catching up with us. He'd come zipping in. Who was that? Was that
2: Snorkel with that? It uh, was Snorkel, yeah.
1: Yeah, he kept... Zipping I up think, on us and strafing us. Was it Snorkel? No. Snorkel was attacking us.
2: Yeah. yeah. Maybe. Yes. That sounds like a very Snorkely thing to do. Yeah, I don't mean but, attacking either. I just mean. Yeah.
0: Using it was very arrows. cool.
2: Using something that he shouldn't be attacking with. That's what I'm <laughs> thinking. But it was working. So. Yeah. It was working for him. I remember that much. I think we still bested him in the end. or Or couldn't. I can't remember if we ended up defeating him or just couldn't kill him. We got away
1: is all we did. All we did was get
2: away. (laughs) I I also thought he wasn't killing us. I thought it was just almost like a standstill. He was definitely effective. Yeah, I can't recall. Um, uh, Last response, uh, MK3 generic stated... Yes, but I expect that to only happen in systems such as Pyro where the sun is unstable and maybe a few unstable Lagrange points in a more safe system for a bit of variety. Good stuff. Yeah, I mean, yeah good discussion. I have a feeling that will be a thing. Who knows when. Um, you know, TM soon. <laughs> right. I wouldn't even TM soon on that one. those features. Those don't seem anywhere near close to being out. Yeah. Um, And then last but not least, our next segment, we actually got some decent questions this week. Actually, quite a few. Um, More than we've gotten in forever. So our first question comes to us from Stewie13. Um, At some point in Star Citizen's development, along with how gaming is starting to move into cloud computing, do you think there will be a monthly subscription to star citizen that allows a player to fully play the game on alternative hardware, such as smart TVs or unpowered PCs that couldn't otherwise jokingly, when will Amazon prime include star citizen? Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think Seaguard? Uh, I don't,
1: I don't see that. I don't see that being an option. Um, a couple couple thoughts on it from, from early on, at least back in, uh, 2014. Um, I can remember there's discussions about, is this going to be a paid subscription going forward? And the heart of it, the heart of the discussion and the responses always was, it was a desire to maximize the power of a PC to present a space opera. And that, people who bought in as subscribers would get much of the, you know, early stuff, you know, versions 1, 2, and 3 of the Squadron 42 and access to the um, MMO portion. Um, (laughs) But they always shied away from doing a service-type subscription. And I don't think... I don't think... This is the second part now. If you tie that to... What is their primary function? Their primary function as a company is to make software and games, and specifically right now, that would be a totally different business line. I think someone may ask to host services, but I think it'll just be a third-party thing that someone can sign up to get better horsepower and then just log in with their normal account. So I think it'll be a third-party thing. If Amazon wants to do it or what's
2: Shadow Play? Uh, some of these others. I hope Shadow Play doesn't, unless they optimize that experience. Yeah. No offense, Shadow, but... Yeah. You're not
1: doing so great. <clears throat> yeah, it would be interesting... It would be interesting if they could, you know, uh, Flight Simulator uh, 2020 just uh, brought in Xbox, and you can now play as an Xbox player in the PC environment. Um, oh, Oh,
2: interesting. So, like, a yeah. cross-channel.
1: Right. So, it's possible that there might be something like that, but I think they would be paying Chris Roberts for the right to sell those, and I think he would want to be pretty controlled about that. So, there's yeah. no unfair advantages.
2: Yeah, and I think he would want the experience to be phenomenal, or, yes. or it's not yeah. worth it. He And he's a pretty, I mean, let's face it, he, and this is good and bad. He's a pretty controlling guy. I don't see him doing things like that. I could be wrong. Um, What do you think, Chekhov? I think we should just go
0: to -to earn-to-play model, which are becoming more and more popular. And what's that? Well, you earn when you play. It used to be... uh, uh, pay-per-play, now it's turning to earn-per-play on um, a lot of these new uh, blockchain games. You know, they're becoming more and more popular, coming out and, you know, building them on new platforms. I think you'll have some components of that.
2: So uh-huh.
0: you can actually, uh, you know, earn real items in-game that have value.
2: Okay. So, I mean,
0: I'm, I'm in a
1: Big screen TV. Sure. What's that? Big screen TV.
2: Yeah. Uh-huh. there you go. I don't know. I personally, so if I think about the question at its purest, um, one, I don't see them doing anything that seems super subscription at all. Um, just because of what they've said in the past, even though this is a different type of, it's like a tier, you know? Um, but also, I just don't see them opening up to that many um, ways of playing the game. I think they're going to stick to PC, truthfully. I think that's the sweet spot. I think that's what everyone's passionate about on the team. Um, I, if they do do it, it'll be so far in the future that who knows what, what to expect. They might be working on Star Citizen 2 uh, by that point in time. Um, but that's my thought. I think they're going to make more money licensing their technology. Um, so then captain Kieran said, all I can say is I hope they don't throw loads of systems at us at once. I Oh, I'm, I'm like, what question is he answering? Mm-hmm. I'm forgetting this is the question section. Yeah. <laughs> I don't get to play a lot, and I'll feel like I really want to get to know a system before moving off. I will likely do that by exploring mining and hauling lines. I would really like to get to know every system. If they throw 15 at us on um, full release, I will implode. I won't be unhappy with anything, though. I love this game already. I am more than happy with my investment versus enjoyment. Everything from here is just bonus. Love it. Uh, I have a feeling he's answering your question, um, Seaguard, when you asked if we would explore one area first um, um, and then move out into other uh, areas, or if, um, if, certainly he, related if he would to be that, more yeah. depth. Yeah. I have a feeling that's what uh, we're getting there Mm. Um, because there's no question. (laughs) Um, So Zake uh, states insurance and pirates should pirates have access to their own type of insurance or should it be part of the same system? If it were separate, do you think there would be, would be only one pirate enterprise insurance or, many different ones with varying degrees of reliability based on which faction. Some pirates have a formal type of insurance at all. If not, um, what would be a good alternative given piracy is going to be a fully supported game loop. Stolen ships might stay stolen unless they give us a way to permanently change the legal idea of a vessel. Pirates aren't always known criminals, keep in mind so they can legally own ships. These questions are Purely scientific. We are the good guys here at Reed. Um, and I think, he did do some digging, by the way. I'll, I'll comment on that after.
1: Want me to go first? Yeah. I, I think that uh, I think there's going to be a type of insurance called loan sharking. <laughs> <laughs> right. I will lend you the money, or I will give you a ship, and you will give me a chunk of your money until that. And if you don't, I'll come claim it and break your legs uh, Mm -hmm. first. Uh, so I think there's going to be, there is going to be a form of, there is going to be a way to get things that are not warranty, but they can be replaced. Right. I also think they're going to be able to give you services. Like you have a wiped registration, false identity numbers on your ship. Um, you know, it's, it appears to be something other than it is, um, you know, you, you know, crazy pirate Pete's, you know, used pirate buccaneer shop or something. You know, it's yeah, you know, it's going to be one of those things. But to to get your start, I think you'll probably have to earn some. You'll have to earn some. Uh, I f- what do you call it? uh Favor. What do we call reputation? It reputation with that organization, and then you'll be able to get it. Um, you'll be offered the opportunity to. Borrow some money or to use one of their ships,
0: right? And have yeah. it replaced. So,
2: yeah. What do you think, Chekhov?
0: I think the orcs will probably have pools. You know, you can borrow. Yeah. And then pay back to the orcs, something like that.
2: Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. And yeah, I was thinking in terms possible. of
1: NPC, you know, pirates, right? That's how I was thinking.
2: Yeah. I and I also think it depends on what type of pirate too. Like there's the, um, I, I, they always use this example. There's the dread Roberts uh, pirate captain who's well-known throughout the verse who, um, you know, openly commits acts of crime. And then there's the, you know, pirate who maybe only does things outside of comms range. And, may not be detected by their victims, or they commit crimes that aren't as egregious. Um, So there's sort of that scenario. And then I do agree there will be some type of system for ensuring pirates. Because if not, like, you know, while you want to make it, I don't think it should be easier to be a pirate in Star Citizen. I think it should be a tough life. And they've sort of said that it's not going to be easy. But it shouldn't be so hard that there's no player-based pirates because then that changes, uh, you know, our risk and reward gameplay. Mm -hmm. You know, you want, while I don't want every mission to go with complications, you do want the occasional emergent gameplay that comes from being boarded by pirates or some sort of activity like that where you can potentially fend them off and have a story to tell to the rest of the org or all of your friends in game. Um, so, you know, you want to incentivize that. You don't want it to be so hard to be a pirate that you can't even live or, you know, get a ship.
1: I, I think you're going to have pirates that are um, the legal pirate, right? They're the recognized as privateers so today Mm -hmm. you know that the group that you're working for you know i would say crusader you know says hey we need people to to disrupt shipping at uh, microtech because we're having a trade war with them and you're free to blow up their stuff right um and you're under a charter you know you have a you know a charter that lets you go out and do that without losing you know any more or um rep with crusader um yeah operate freely and the same thing with blockade running right uh it's blockade running is very much like smuggling except you're authorized to do it
2: (laughs) yeah yeah well i just picture things like this just screams the expanse and it's like yeah you know, this is the OPA is willing to fix the Rosinante because you're doing missions for the OPA. So I hope it. I hope they have elements of that in there too. And that's a great area activity. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the way, at least the Rosinante stuff is. Um, now he did say he did some digging and there was a six-year-old 10 for the chairman question on insurance for pirates. And it sort of stated something where it wouldn't be that dissimilar from insurance for lawful players. I would imagine they're more mom and pop. Um, they'll probably use the same system as like for like maybe gray area. It's just like going to, um, uh, why can't I think of it all of a sudden? Um, no, um, uh, Delamar. Oh, okay. Um, Mm -hmm. Delamar isn't, Legal or illegal, it's a gray area, but you're still insured there. Yeah. The question is, you know, do you have, is your reputation at risk? Because it's one thing to be insured, but you might not, you might not make it back to the spaceport without being arrested. Mm-hmm. Um, Skyguard1 asks, do you think quantum, and he means this for the Tony Z quantum, uh, so quanta, will be actual AI or just a game director similar to left for dead. I did ask for elaboration and, and Zake and uh, Skyguard elaborate a little bit. I didn't realize, um, the game director AI was sort of all about, um, flow of gameplay around drops and mobs and event timing to provide a more engaging experience. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I wasn't sure. I don't but, know which I, one you're stating is more complex, Skyguard, but I think we can still answer the question. What do you think, Skyguard?
1: Absolutely. I think that Quanta will be behind the scenes and it will transition to the, the game, the more detailed version, um, and basically scripts and things like that for missions. Um, when a Quanta would be in sight of a game player. Right. Yeah. And will make that transition up to that point. They're just tracking random data about that ship or that quanta. And then they'll flesh it out as soon as it becomes, um, close to a person. Mm-hmm. And then as they go away from that person and they're not visible anymore, they'll go back. They'll save the characteristics of that quanta for future reference. And then, um, you know, put him back into the quanta state.
2: Yeah, so, yeah, agreed. Um,
0: Chekhov, um, I'm not even sure i I understand the whole concept so, of. Well,
2: yeah, quanta. I think he's. I think he's mostly curious about the distinction between, say, a um, a true AI versus more of a overarching. AI controller. So uh, I don't know how familiar you are with Left 4 Dead. Yeah, the AI have their own behavior where it's sort of like it's essentially attack the players. Um, mm-hmm. Try to kill the players, but there's a director AI that essentially scatters the gameplay, which makes it super exciting. It, it is a fun game because um, mm-hmm. you never know when a big mob of zombies is going to attack you. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's right away and sometimes it's not and it's i guess it's based on the the skill level of the player Mm -hmm. Um, so if your group of players is highly skilled they'll make it more challenging Um, whereas like that's a meta view will our quanta be actual ai or will it be just this meta driver saying the universe is going to do this and that Yes, yeah,
0: so it's basically control AI versus a true AI. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well I think they, they always said that they do want to have uh, some degree of control over the, 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 the overall AI and PC play. I don't think it will ever be a hundred well firstly I think the technology is not even there for true AI. So I, it's, it's gonna be definitely yeah. controlled AI
2: but i also think i think the question is more around will those quanta be real ai or is it going to be the the architect overseeing everything and my my sense is it's going to be really i think a combination of both because the quanta themselves are going to be ai whether they're instanti- whether whether they're instantiated or not based on someone interacting with a um an area where they might bump into one of these quanta. Um, So there's that. There's the chance that you will spawn a quanta based on where you are. But the the overarching quanta behavior is going to be quantum, and that's based on all these different economic inputs and different things driving the overarching economy of the game. And so there will be sort of like a, a director but the director isn't directing like the director won't change the, the individual nuances of what that quanta is. It's it's, essentially a mining quanta is only going to be a mining quanta. The question is the game director will decide where it's going to mine based on the economy and the behavior that's happening in the game and, and player behaviors And then that also might trigger, um, events, you know, so that, that would be my guess slash rationality. Um, last question comes from, uh, Jim Raymer and he says, if they fix the issues with bed logging, will you just start doing that all the time? If so, do you see that changing your daily driver? absolutely well i knew you were going to say that because you pretty yeah, much I, do that anyway
1: yeah i would i'd rather if it worked twice in it i can't log in on the third time i'm a happy camper
2: <laughs> i really enjoy it two out of three ain't bad wow. as they say <laughs> yeah that's right um yeah lately it's been flawless just, yeah does that change your daily driver though Seagard?
1: absolutely i I really am getting away from the single seat non-bed ships mm. I'm really I'm not a fan of them anymore um, I, I I have a bunch of the hornets and stuff because I you know just because I needed a fighter and
2: to spawn on your
1: liberator <laughs> well I, I'd rather just fly the liberator and let you guys spawn on it but uh, but yeah I definitely want that ship with the bunks and things like that, and the break area, and the water and the coffee. And, um, you know, I rarely want to touch a, a planet. Actually, I rarely want to touch a station. Uh, yeah, very rarely want to touch a planet. Uh,
2: so that's great. What about you check off?
0: Yeah. Lately it's been uh, definitely since they fixed the whole mechanic. It's, a uh, it's, it's a different experience. It's, uh, or uh, well, from uh from a practical standpoint, it's quite a bit easier to wake up on a planet if you're you know, mining or whatever you're doing, you don't have to go back to a base and then start over again. Uh you just uh when you're done you're done, you're sitting right there, whether you're hauling or mining. And it's just as Sigurd said, it's I think it's more immersive type of an experience. Yeah. Yep, I'm I'm with Sigurd, I like it. Okay. A cool. uh, daily driver uh I no it wouldn't change it for me. I mean it's like for me, you know, I get bored of things easily. Sometimes I feel like mining, so it'll be a mining ship, uh hauling will be a hauling ship. Uh but if I'm uh, doing bounties it's still going to be a single seater.
2: Yeah. Okay. Um I personally, it doesn't change my daily driver because I don't have any single seaters. Um, yeah. I'm, uh, yeah. No, I don't think I do. Do I? I don't. What about that
0: the hawk?
2: That I bought that in game. Oh, okay. But I don't plan on bounty hunting, really. And and. Uh, I do find bounty hunting in groups is actually really fun anyhow. So um, I probably won't even buy a hawk again. I'm not sure. Um, To me, the combination of the bed logging and the new changes make me lean even more towards my baby girl, Mm -hmm. the Carrick, because hauling is fixed. I can carry my items and not worry about them disappearing on me. Um, which means that I'll be ready to go on, you know, and, and play the game for a while without having to go back to a landing zone. Um, the shame is that I'm going to have to start to spread some ships around. Like the biggest thing it would be like my mining ships want to have those closer to like the center of the system versus on microtech. But um, I'm going to be spawning at Microtech because of my ground vehicles. So, um, but then I'll set my spawn point on my Carrick, just like you can um, now. So that means if I die, um, as long as the Carrick doesn't blow up, I'm I'm okay. I'll be where my body was. I can recover my things. You know, um, it just makes more. It makes my ship, my favorite ship, more. Amazing. <laughs> I'm,
1: I'm really looking forward to, you know, having like a duffel bag I can carry in my hand, which would be like yeah. all my guns and ammo and medical supplies.
2: Well, like you know, my,
1: my go away kit. And what uh, a lot
2: of people were saying was cool, a good idea is having backpacks with different themes. Absolutely, because yeah. the backpacks have the storage, and then they're stored. So then you can have your exploration—well, not exploration currently, but like your mining backpack, your uh, medic backpack, etc. Mm-hmm. So,
1: yeah, I—I I mean, I would just like if I show up on your ship, I don't want to bring a you know a freaking <clears throat> hornet over and then have to leave it wherever I'm at. I would rather, yeah. Catch a ride by somebody and have like a duffel bag worth of weapons, like my sniper rifle, my grenade launcher, my light machine gun, whatever. I'm going to have a couple pistols. Yeah. And then I would also like to have a suit bag that says these are my heavy suit, my cold weather suit, my hot weather suit.
2: Yeah. So, and I'm then- looking forward to that version one where the lockers and things actually. I mean the gun racks work, and I'm pretty sure they will subs- like they will keep what's on them, yeah um and I plan on using those for all the guns that I recover from missions well, think about
1: if you have a seven person crew and you all need a cold weather suit, yeah, you don't have enough lockers, you also don't have enough for hot weather suits, and then you need your you know armor if you're gonna have combat
2: not a my Carrick Seaguard.
1: No combat armor?
2: No, I'm saying you know, there's enough storage for everything. Because oh, yeah. Yeah. there's six suit lockers <coughs> in the armory. That's where I would imagine you'd want your armor. Then there's five suit lockers in the, um, the docking collar area. So I can imagine a couple cold weathers, a couple warm weathers depending on how long someone's going to be out there. Right. And then on the roof or on the top floor, there's four um, lockers as well or suit storage. None of these are lockers. These are all suit storage. I can imagine those being more plain EVA.
0: Yeah. I think somebody mentioned Carrick has about 8,500 units of storage versus smaller ships of about 750. So, yeah, you have, like, more than ten times
2: and then, the amount um, of storage. You know, then once they physicalize so much that you can have crates, then I'll have crates of extra suits mm-hmm. of each on my ship. And the best will be when those persist. Because then that's that's the thing. Like, when everything persists and there's physicalized damage and all of the things that make up this game will be in the game, or at least as many of them as like, you know, make it feel like a really fleshed out game. I'm not taking my character by myself anywhere. Correct. Yeah. I want a full crew because I don't want to lose the time and investment of all the resources in my cargo, etc. But right. as far as I can tell, especially now, for the most part, one our ship shouldn't be that interesting because it just has basic loot versus something that's extremely, extremely valuable. And two, it's actually pretty tough against most ships. Yeah. Um, and, you know, in theory, I haven't been saying my phrase a lot lately, mm-hmm. but in theory, other big ships that could take down a Carrick aren't going to be flying solo either. So it'll be and and they won't want to destroy their ship. Like they won't dive bomb you because because of the investment. Right.
1: Right. But absolutely, there should be because of the investment and the repercussions of
2: yeah.
0: You know. So what happens when you crash and burn? Everything on the ship is gone, or it can be looted.
2: Um, currently, if your ship blows up, it will create a lootable box.
0: What if you blow up in space?
2: I believe it'll still create a little bull box that, as long as you move it onto a cargo grid, will maintain itself. Interesting. So tractor beams should be able to move those onto your your ship's cargo grid. That's yeah. supposedly. I don't. Yeah, I plan on
1: carrying very little. I you know I did in the army i care yeah. very very little in the army and you just learned that you know if you want to bring forward paperbacks paperbacks out and 16 rolls of toilet paper and four cartons of cigarettes you're it. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh you know truthfully underwear become an option uh socks are really important pants and uh usually we would use our our uh, jacket liners as our like a sleep shirt so we'd run around during the day with regular BDUs, even in real cold weather, maybe with just a liner underneath it, because you get too hot as you're working. So you have to always mm-hmm. be cold to keep yourself busy to stay warm. Yeah. Um, and then your weapons, you know, you always had your weapons, but they had to be secured. So, you know, if you're lucky, it's a pistol and it's a lanyard tied to you. If you're not so lucky, it's a rifle and it's it's got a lanyard that's tied to you. If you're really not lucky, it's a heavy weapon, and you have a pistol. Um, that yeah. gets the suck. Uh, next thing you know, you're up to hundred pounds of equipment plus water and am- ammunition. Um, yeah, and you can barely move. So,
2: well, and what I you, what you I you picture is carry,
1: you learn to travel really
2: light. Of <coughs> course. Well, and that's the thing. It's like I also picture like my ship will likely be stocked for crew. So that, for the most part, crew members won't need to bring much with the exception of whatever they like for their own personal flair, right? And it's like, okay, we'll bring an armor set that you want to wear, and you have armor locker one. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you can choose weapons in the armory. If there are additional weapons you want that you can store in your own room, then that would be cool. Or... You know, I I think of like, since not everyone's going to be super combat oriented on that type of ship, having options like a couple of shotguns, a couple sniper rifles, a couple of this, a couple of that, so that it's more situational. And then obviously in storage down below where it's harder to get to, that's where you have the other options that you can restock the shelves with and or. If some, you know, if everybody wants a grenade launcher, there's a whole crate of them. Right.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, I, even the sniper rifles, you know, sniper rifles are great for distance shooting, but when you get within a certain point, all yeah. you see is a blob because it's bigger than the, you know, you've exceeded the size that the scope and look at you when you're within 50 feet, He can't. Well, that's why
2: well. I like the point and click of a shotgun. Yeah.
1: And that's <laughs> great. And it's shotgun is great for that. Right. Um, also just, you know, I don't know how many times a badger and a couple other guys can tell you, uh, Haymar every time you bend over and you would have, you know, to pick something up and you had that rifle on your back, it would slide forward and smack you in the back of the helmet every fricking time. <laughs> and you just got so sick of it. So after a while you just realize that you, you grab the muzzle. you always have them hung upside down. So the muzzles towards the ground, you grab mm-hmm. the muscle and then you bend forward to pick something up so it doesn't slide off your back Uh, so you're always running around holding your weapon so it doesn't destroy you and if you dive on the ground with a rucksack the rucksack just grinds your face into the gravel because it slides up over your shoulders so you always learn that you can just disconnect them real quick and just drop it Um, yeah just little things you learn and it's just like life gets so much easier the lighter you travel (laughs)
2: yeah yeah, well, and that's a, like, and <clears throat> I picture a ship. I, I'm sorry, I keep going back to it, and I'm belaboring. Oh, it, it's a great ship. I, Well, no, I just, I, it's because it gives me so many things to theory craft. Whereas, right. like some ships miss some components of it. Whereas this right. really fleshes it out, and it's almost like, why is this so well thought out? Right. Um, y- you look and you look at the kitchen. The kitchen has quite a bit of food storage. It does. And that's not even counting. You can tell there's that machine that gives you, like, you know, textured protein or whatever. Right, <laughs> Like the, right. I, I always think, of, I keep thinking of The Expanse because I feel like the character makes me think of it. Because it's sort of, it's like a bigger Rosinante. Right, right. Um. Ooh, now I want to watch that show after this. <laughs> <laughs> I've been I've been rewatching it because the final se- season's coming out, and then I've been rereading it too because the final book's coming out. <laughs>
0: yeah, I think I'm gonna watch the last season. Probably.
2: I highly recommend the books if you haven't read them; they're incredible. That there are some things they do in the show, like I I think the last season will be extremely different than the last few books because they're kind of combining mm. a few things. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they leave it off. Right. Um,
1: anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, like you were talking, like one of the thing, and I've thought through a lot of this stuff um, when I was trying to figure out, like from, from a logistic perspective, how much money do we need to equip an expedition, right? And, then, yeah. and we had that question, right? If you're the, if you're, if you want to, have an ex. if you want to have an exploration expedition and you're going to take out a crew how much do you pay them and how much do you need to do you pay for their stuff or do they just buy it from you when you're on your ship you know what are the mechanics then you know how could this work in game and uh the Carrick is a great example of lots of storage on the way out so you can have lots of food and everything else for long duration missions um, and you can have extra vehicles, but if you don't get rid of any of that stuff, you're not going to be able to bring back a lot of stuff from the alien cultures or things that you might find. So yeah. there has to be a balance. Um, and then from a game perspective... I would almost a sport, leave
2: a storage hold empty. Hmm.
1: Yeah, exactly. And then uh, from another um, another level of thought is that so you have this, you go and buy... Ammunition and you go and buy, um, food in bulk and liquids in bulk. And, and you have, you know, five, you know, big SCU crates of food in the, in the storage area for two weeks. Um, our our characters always wake up refreshed and hydrated. Should the cargo in the hold be reduced each time, each day by some amount. Mm. So you can see how much food is left. Um, Clearly, I don't think we all want to be carrying boxes of MREs up and throwing them on the counter in the the fake cafeteria. Um, And we don't always want to run over and and have to go get a bottle and stuff it in our shirt or a jacket or whatever we're doing. So maybe it's one of those things that it's simulated behind the scenes that you're you're able to eat, right? Um, I
2: feel like, and I also have a guess, that if you have the food in your storage, I have this feeling like your kitchen will just replenish. That's what I think. That's what versus I think. making you go in there and put all the things on the shelves. I feel like that level of tedium they might not Right. And it you know,
1: it may be that it's an, an automatic fill, you know, it's a system they have, you know, that automatically mm. fills your it caters your, your meals, right? For that well, machine. The thing right. with the tubes. And then depending on the type of ship you have, maybe a better quality ship has not only better cuisine, but it has more available supplies. Yeah. And then another ship might be restricted on how long it can travel without support by having only a limited amount of food. Yeah. Um, So there's little things like that. I kind of wonder how they're going to. I think that's farther down the road, but really does make um, mission planning kind of
2: important. Well, because they create such detailed environments. And so you sit there and you go, is this just to make us feel immersed or is this a thing? You know, like. Right. Will. And this is why I always go back to my favorite ship, because you look and it's like, okay the medical area has its own little storage area. Right now, it probably doesn't actually register in your storage or anything. But I I could see you having like spare med guns, spare capsules and all that stuff in that storage area and in the doctor's office. But will that stuff actually matter or is it just for like realism? And I feel like it's probably gonna balance between the two and I'd be fine with that. Yeah. And then you look at like a ship like the 890 Jump, for the crew, they have a kitchen that has the, the little squirty tubes and sort of like the automated kitchen stuff. But then there's like a chef's kitchen. Are are we going to be playing Cooking Mama, serving <laughs> guests on an 890 jump? <laughs> right. I mean. You know, like, is that going to be real gameplay? It's, especially because right now there's only one ship that sort of has that outside of the smaller luxury ships and the smaller luxury ships have tubes or closer to tubes, right? The 600 eyes also got a full kitchen. It looks like it does make you wonder. And
1: you know, maybe some of your people have to be AI just to take care of the rest of you. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I
2: mean, it'll be interesting. I feel like in that instance, the AI will be the cook, you know, yeah. like the mm-hmm. AI will be the chef And they'll just be going through AI behaviors. It might be more like Diner Dash where you could have person based crew who are taking the plates up to the the folks in the restaurant, or you have NPCs that you've hired who are doing it.
1: Right. Yeah. It's it's so there's so many possibilities here, I you know. I don't want to haul crates by hand, but I definitely want to have the the detail of planning and logistics, right? Yeah. And
2: discovering that, wow, I should have thought about that. I I, feel like this is where I think it's going to be so in-depth, but at the same time, we're not realizing why it's not going to be as bad as we think, is say you're a long hauler. Now, there are two different types of, or maybe not long haulers, but there's haulers who are hauling in-system. Yes. So you're going from a spoke to a hub or vice versa. Yeah. And then there's haulers between systems. Right. Interstellar. So hub to hub. So it to me, that changes gameplay. And so a hub to hub hauler is likely to carry a much larger vessel with more, maybe even more variety of cargo to an entire system mm-hmm. based on needs whereas within a system it might be moving a resource from you know microtech is rich with oh you they're sending microchips and um uh, mobi glasses to uh port alisar which is in my opinion i would have i would picture that to be like the hub of of the wheel right um, whereas the Tresslers and the others are the spokes that's my guess, at least. Who knows? But so then based on that, right, there's going to be cargo timers and you don't have to load your ship. You could have other people load your ship. And while they're doing that, you're planning your route. You're making sure you have the right items on your ship. Maybe you're exploring the landing zone. You know, you're, a, you're docked at Port Olisar while your ship's loading. You don't need to inspect it. You're going to go down to Orison, have a little bit of a chat with with some people in your org, maybe try and hire an escort, and then you're going to go back up, and your ship's going to be full.
1: What type of escort we talking here? Are we back to the porn names? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. So I, I agree with you, and I you know I'm going to dive a, I know this is probably driving people nuts, but a one more like level. We you were talking inter... I call it interstellar because you're traveling between mm. stars and I think uh system. Yeah. Yeah, inter system and interstellar, right?
2: So intra inter-, inter
1: that could be one too. Yeah, that right. could be anyway. So uh I I was I can't remember who I was talking to about a couple of us talking about how long it's gonna take to travel between systems using the wormholes or the, the, the gates. All
2: right.
1: Like, I don't want to sit I don't want to take four hours to load a ship and then take 10 or five minutes to get to the destination. I want to get to Mm. three minutes to travel across the solar system, one minute to go through the tunnel or the the gate. And then another five minutes to the other side and I'm done. Um, I also don't want to make 96 jumps, (laughs) right? It's not an efficient way. Um, I think it's a great way if, if you're not at a high tech level, but I think at a commercial level, I would much rather see direct routes that are long distance. Basically, I know where star system is. I have a drive. I can basically go there direct, but it's going to take me two hours or three hours to get there. Yeah. Now I spend time on my ship doing things like repairing my rifles playing the games like arena commander, like they've said, you know, you'll be able to play the, you know, the, uh, universal ranking. So you're basically a professional game player within the, in the verse. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll play chess. You could do, you know, training, whatever you're going to do. Um, you know, run into these storms out there the deep space storms. Uh, and I think, You know, that's the type of thing I would like to see in some cases versus just a jump gate. If you have the right equipment and most big corporations would figure out a way probably to do this is jump directly. Right. Maybe it's a blind. It's called a blind jump or something. And there's a chance of failure or being off by a certain distance. Okay, got it. Uh, Maybe you miss your jump and you're you know, you're off by, you know. 50 or 100 million miles and you got to wait for, you know, three hours for your whole system to reset. So You're kind of mm. stuck there going, oh, okay, I missed that sales window. Um, but I think that is a great difference between just lots of little interstellar or inter-system jumps. Um, I have to believe that the warp gates will take longer um, or yeah. they have to provide us something else in in lieu of that as an alternate.
2: Yeah. I I agree. And or like just not having to, if you just have to, if you can plot your course in advance, so it, it executes it. Yeah. Well, it's sort of like you want, you want some control over piloting, but you don't want to have to pilot the whole time. You want to be able to like, right. Do those things
1: i'd like to be able to log out and know that in eight hours i'm going to arrive at the other end so when i when i get out when i log in next time i'll be sitting just you know having dropped out of quantum
2: oh i feel like out of my job right? i feel like they want to avoid that okay
1: personally it would be interesting to see what they say because i do think that time on the ship is a factor right if you're going to make yeah. big money and you're going to take a lot of time to load it, then you should be
2: having to take a long point. I think once jump points are in the game, then they'll change the behavior between quantum markers. Okay. And I feel like there'll be more true trade routes. So then the most active thing you'll have to do is quantum between jump points. (laughs) And then that most manual navigation should be between jump point, like in the jump point. I think what'll change things is when you have to refuel. And I think you'll have the tools to plot that out to know at which jump points where you have to stop off and refuel so that you make your, your, your goal. I think the longest thing will be, well, I think this is where you'll have to balance risk versus reward I think it'll be like, oh, you made one jump, you made a decent profit. If you make three, your profit's going to be insane. But then you have to figure out what you're moving between that system and the next system. Right. Right? And then what happens if by the time you get there, that commodity's not worth as much?
1: Yeah, and I would would like to see some kind of, um, if you think of the, natural occurring uh gates uh-huh. that you know they're describing the game that there's some bigger man-made equivalent yeah that you know it's it's a enterprise or uh and uh we call it a um, empire level investment but you could set yeah. it up between the core worlds right um like the interstate for for truckers right
2: yeah so It'll be interesting to see um how I I, I think I think we're on to something in the sense that we're probably gonna see a whole bunch of these types of things eventually come out. I I think the logistician, the hauler, is actually gonna become an economist <laughs> at the end of the day. Oh yeah, yeah. I think that's really the big thing is like You're not only thinking about what you can haul where, but what you can haul from there to somewhere else and how you're going to maximize a full run. And do you go, quote unquote, home or do you make a third stop and it completes a triangle or a fourth? Right. Are you hauling for ages?
1: So I also think you're going to have missions that are you don't own the cargo and you don't have any investment in it. You're just hauling. I think so, too. I mean, that makes it possible for a player who's uh, got a hull E or a hull C or hull D to load up and get the joy of having a full ship. Yeah. Um, All you're paying for is the extra insurance on the cargo.
2: Yeah. And if you want an escort. Yeah. If it's going to be less guarded trade route or if you're going to take that risk. Yep. I agree. I think that that will be a huge thing. And then also you could, if you wanted to, Look at the economy and decide whether or not you're gonna haul and sell something and could invest money. Or it could even be something like us, where, okay, we now have a pool of org resources in this system, but we need to move it to our front lines where we're openly exploring a large swath of space. We need you, maybe you take a smaller hauler, not the not the whole E, but maybe right. you take a whole B or C to our forward operating endeavor with all the supplies we might need for an expedition. And we'll have those supplies running, those supply lines running. Yeah.
1: I think it's going to be awesome. It's uh, it's funny because it kind of a little bit of what we've talked about. This ties into my question for today.
2: Um, Oh yeah. You never asked the question for today.
1: So today, so, so if we go back to when you were talking about the Carrick, right? uh, How Hmm. the Carrick, has those capabilities that really make it, you know, possible to envision this, right? Uh-huh. Um, I was thinking uh, specifically, you know, the Carrick has a medical capability. So does the Cutlass Red. So does the Endeavor. We know that, right? Um, but you know, what what criteria for a ship really should make them candidates for having a medical capability? even if it's, you know, a level of a medical capability the Cutlass has or uh, what the character the eight ninety jump has. I, mm-hmm. I assume that something like a hospital ship like the Endeavor is unique. It's yeah. know, equivalent of a ground hospital or at least a star base or a, I a base station.
2: Of, I get I, I said sent I get the sense yeah. of that, yeah too. Yeah. Now I
1: could see something I for me I well maybe I should just leave the question at that and let everyone else talk. We'll talk more about it next week. So the question is, what criteria should a ship have to get a medical capability? Consider this for Cutlass-like medical capabilities and also for Carrick 890 Jump-type medical capabilities.
2: Excellent question. Well, if, uh, if you do want to answer said question, if you have your own questions, comments, thoughts, feelings, tips for the week, things you did for science, feel free to submit them. There's many ways you can do so. You can email us at readcastsc at gmail.com. You could DM our Twitter handle at readcastsc. You could submit a message through Anchor or on our Readcast Discord. You can join join the group and interact um, as well as text us or leave a voicemail at 646 646- 783-8154. That's not a personal cell phone, it's a Google voice number. Um don't forget if you are looking for an org out there, uh Reed stands for Research and Engineering through Exploration and Discovery. We do everything from we actually just opened up a new division around uh, search and rescue. Um so that's pretty exciting. Uh, in addition to the fact that we do have people who are defending us. <laughs> so if you are a combat person, as long as you're law abiding and you're not gonna be griefing other players and you're not playing those types of missions um to be negative rep with uh the authorities, then you're good to go. Are we uh, also oh go ahead.
1: I was gonna I was gonna say as additional points of contact, Chekhov, are you still there? Yeah, yeah. What was your <laughs> what was your porn name again
0: the uh, the born name your porn name, yeah the born, born the name born name which one the one we we talked about in the beginning yeah, the one yeah, we that talked would be about. your
2: patent street name
0: Oh, there were several. The original one was Rex Palisade. All right,
1: so if you're gonna submit your questions or anything else, please direct them to at Rex Palisades.
2: <laughs> I thought you were going to tell us. I thought you were going to tell them to also include their porn names. Yeah. Well, that would be
0: good too. Yeah, that's why I was asking. What? Wait, a cigarette caught me off guard. Like,
2: Am I missing something? <laughs> <laughs> I. <laughs> Uh, Anyway, uh, we also have other content creators in Reed, so don't forget to look at Earth's videos on YouTube. Um, And then Admiral Cody and Calibri are creating quite the soundtrack inspired by Star Citizen and Reed, um, including all the music that you hear on our episodes. That wraps up another episode of ReedCast. Thank you, fellow citizens, for listening. Have a safe and happy day of the Vara, and we'll see you next week. Good night. Good night. Boo. Boo. Yeah, that's my scary voice. As opposed to your porn voice where you're like, boo. Yeah. More like, (laughs) 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 Oh, jeez. Just limping in there, huh? (laughs)